0: Father, we thank you for this place of refuge this morning where together we just come into your presence. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. As we look ahead into this new year, we just look back with great thankfulness and look ahead with great expectation. For you are faithful, you are true, you are good. Mm, Thank you, God. We ask together for your blessing upon this local assembly. We ask for a year of health, physical, mental health, spiritual health. We ask for answered prayers, for healings, for you to be clearly working in the hearts and lives of our church family. Pray for our loved ones this morning. We pray this would be a year for those that don't know you to be brought to faith. Pray for Debbie Ingle this morning and Michelle at her bedside. We pray for grace in these as she is at the end of her journey. We pray for your blessing upon them. We pray for our dear brother James today. We pray for comfort, strength, healing, peace, your presence in his life. For busy today, bless him. Or we could think of so many of our brothers and sisters in need of your prayer and grace. Thank you. We thank you for your word and your spirit, how you speak to us, how you are personal, how you quicken us and convict us, change us. We pray you give us open hearts to hear and receive what you have by your spirit for us this morning. And we we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you. Okay, so we are, here we are on the threshold of a brand new year, and there is a biblical basis for us to have a, for new beginnings, for us to have a new expectation. Uh, many times through the Old Testament, through the scriptures, these opportunities to have a fresh beginning, a fresh commitment, a new vision with the Lord for our personal lives, for our church, and um, we, we do well to have that in our hearts this morning. For God is, God is good. God is able. <clears throat> uh, someone sent me a devotion, a daily devotion on beginnings. And it said, if you were going to write a book, how would you start that book? And then it says, the Bible starts this way by saying, in the beginning, God. That's how the Bible starts. That's how God started in his account of revelation for us. In the beginning, God. It's a simple yet profound statement and a profound beginning, a beginning with God. And it lays down an important principle for us, that we begin this new year with God. Isn't that beautiful? I feel like that's it. Thank you for coming. (laughs) That's an amazing principle. We begin this year with God. In faith, we want to give him the central place in the beginning, God. Amazing. Trusting him for something new, for something more. Not the same, but something fresh in your own personal spiritual life. Maybe you've been a believer for many years, but all trust him for something fresh and new, that he will give you an increase in your life. Not the same, not common ground, but a living God who has a plan and a work that he is accomplishing in our hearts. In the beginning, God, starting this year with God. And we should really adopt that habit, if we haven't already, that we begin everything with God. Our relationships at work, our pastimes, our family, our mornings, we begin with God. We give God his rightful central place. And there's an important passage we want to look at this morning. We had some verses read from it in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus is speaking to the audience, to us, about the principle of faith in our lives. And he says in Matthew six twenty five, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Isn't that a good statement? Do not worry about your life. And the word worry here, some translations, the King James, uh, take no thought. And the idea is there is don't embrace that thought that would cause anxiety. But but take another thought in faith that what you are thinking about is so important and it affects us. Take no thought or do not worry or do not be anxious about your life. That doesn't mean we don't have moments of worry and anxiety. Do you worry about things? Do I worry about things? Of course, it's part of the human experience. But we learn how to not let worry dominate. We recognize it and then we know we learn and we are learning how to to go beyond it and how to trust God, how to look to God, how to enter into faith rest. So he says, do not worry about your life. And then he opens that by saying, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Now, let's remember, this is a context of 2,000 years ago. It's a little bit different in the 21st century, but effectively, he's speaking about the basic needs that we have, needs for survival, the, the material needs that we have, it doesn't have Uh, You know, the car and cell phone and, uh, you know, my mortgage. It doesn't have those things here. But we understand what it means. It's addressing the basic fundamental needs that we have in life, physical, material needs. And he says, do not worry about them. Is your life not more than food and the body more than clothing? In other words, life is more than those things life essentially is more important than those things although they are important because we they keep us alive food and drink and clothes etc but they are not life life is more than that we could live in constant worry about these things but jesus says isn't man made for more than that that you are more than physical but also spiritual And he cautions his disciples against these worldly cares or distractions or worries. And how easy it could be that men and women and people could be plagued with anxiety and worry. We understand that. But as believers, we have incredible promises given to us. He gives an illustration to reassure the audience. Imagine he perhaps looks up and he says, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. This is an argument in the Greek. uh, A fortieri argument is called. It means, if, if, uh, if I can lift this pulpit, how much more can I lift this book? If God can provide for the birds, how much more will he not provide for you, who he cares for so greatly and values so highly? question here is about his care. Notice it uses the term heavenly father. He is your heavenly father. This is the context of these promises and our fundamental needs. What, what, the, what Jesus is saying is, listen, it is your heavenly father who cares for you, who values you. And the question comes down to, will you trust his character and his promises 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So in light of these truths, it is not fitting for a Christian to have a life that is plagued with anxiety, where I become the victim always of the troubles around me. He says, do not worry. It doesn't mean I don't work, I'm not a good steward, um, I, I, you know, I have responsibilities. I care for my family, etc. We are told to work. We are told to be good stewards, but we are also told not to worry. God has a plan and a provision. He says, "For which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature?" It's a good question. Let's rephrase it. What does worrying achieve? I can worry for five minutes or an hour or a whole day, but what does it achieve? What is the positive outcome of it? And there is none. In fact, only negative outcome. Which of you, by worrying, can add? And that question, I imagine, would want to settle on the heart for a, for a bit. Worrying cannot change the situation, right? So it's better than worrying, it's better to pray. Because worrying doesn't change the situation, but praying does and can and will. So we have learned and we are learning that when we sense that anxiety and that worry, we turn that into prayer. We, we take that and we send it up in a prayer. We say, oh Lord, I'm not going to, my, here's my mind and my emotions, I begin to go around this situation like an atomic particle, and before I know it, I'm I'm, I'm in a frenzy. But rather, I take that and I give it to God. I cast my cares upon him. This is what it says, of course, in Philippians chapter 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. And that's a good... uh, good expectation a good personal spiritual goal for this year oh Lord increase my prayer life help me pray teach me how to pray teach me how to take worry and turn it into a, a prayer to let my request be made known to God I love the uh, online prayer group we have these prayers they they hit the uh, they hit the prayer group and I in my mind I just imagine some of our precious uh, people of prayer in our church reading that and just bowing their head for a moment and just committing that to prayer, praying for one another. God hears, God answers. I love it at the small groups, how we open the small groups with a time of prayer and we pass around the prayer requests and we bow our heads and we pray because we believe that prayer is effective. The, The fervent, effectual prayer of a faithful man avails much. And we'll look, at, look at the next verse. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. And when you do the, uh, the calculations, you see that anxiety is traded for peace. Be anxious for nothing but give it to God in prayer and the peace of God will govern your hearts and minds. What a wonderful uh, provision and privilege as Christians that we have. Isaiah 26.3 says it this way. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. What a great verse. Let's go back to Matthew uh, 6, verse 28. So why do you worry? about clothing and of course this doesn't mean I get up in the morning oh what am I going to wear I'm standing in front of the mirror it doesn't mean that again it's the physical provision it's the it's, it's the cares of life why do you worry about clothing consider the lilies of the field know that they grow and they neither toil nor spin and yet I say to you and I love that phrase there's such authority when Jesus says that yet I understand that, but yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. All of, all of Israel's kings could not be adorned more gloriously than this simple field that is covered with lilies and flowers and splendor, giving glory to God. That God can do that, and God does that. <clears throat> Verse 30. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? And let's, let's change the word. Will he, uh, will he not much more provide for you, answer you, meet your needs? Will he not more answer your prayers, Express his faithfulness in your life. Then he says, "O you of little faith. He connects worry to faith, that one is present because of the absence of the other. One expels the other. Where there is faith, then anxiety is chased away, for there's a resting place we have in him. Verse 31, therefore, do not worry. Here it is again. It's echoed through the passage. Take no thought. Be anxious. Do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? There are those three things again, uh, speaking of our, our basic needs. Verse 32, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now, what does that mean, the Gentiles? Aren't we Gentiles? Maybe we have some Jewish roots here, but we are Gentiles effectively, right? But the Bible speaks of this in a different way. The Bible speaks of a spiritual Jew. And also here, this is speaking about a spiritual Gentile. In other words, it's speaking about those who do not have faith. In other words, instead of the word Gentile in this passage, you could put unbeliever or non-Christian or those in the world. For all these things. Don't unbelievers, non-Christians, seek for these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. In 1 Thessalonians 4.3, where it speaks of Gentiles, it says, speaks about the lusts of the Gentiles who do not know God. There's the defining part of it. It's speaking about those who don't know God, but we do know God. More than that, we are his children and he is our heavenly Father. And I love this phrase, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. It's so comforting and reassuring. The unbelieving world, the unbeliever, the non-Christian may lay all of its anxieties in these things. What's going to happen tomorrow? How am I going to pay this bill? And what about this issue? And all of that. And we understand that. But we also know that we don't have to um, be the victim and be haunted by that all the time, but we can give it to God. We find a resting place in these truths that our heavenly Father knows what we need. And if he provides for the the birds, etc., how much more will he not provide for us? Wonderful. So here he has said, you know, don't worry, be anxious for nothing. But then he says... Uh, Do this. This is what you should do. But, in contrast to worrying about all of those things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Now, that's an amazing verse to hold in our hearts as we look forward to this next year. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these things, what things? The things that are mentioned, the, the basic uh, needs for life and survival that we could become so occupied with. But it says here, seek first. And that means, speaks of um, priority, of order. We are seekers, every person is a seeker. But this is saying, seek first. Those things that are basic needs are not the primary focus in my life, but first I seek Him. Maybe there you could probably, we could pass the microphone and you could share examples of how God has added these things to your life. Where you remember you were, I don't know, I was just seeking Him, I was praying to Him, and, and then these things were added. And I could sense that it was a spiritual blessing. I remember years ago when we lived in Budapest, um, there was a, a, through the international school, we had a Chinese connection and he said, listen, we, the Chinese believers in we need teaching, can you help us? And, uh, and I was already pastoring another church. I was teaching in the Bible college. I was the chaplain in the school. I was the full-time science teacher in the school. I led an outreach, and I started my master's degree. And I didn't need anything else, but I prayed, and I was so moved by, by their requests. I, I said, okay, Lord. And I was asking people, does anyone want to do a Chinese? And no one. And in my heart, I just knew I had to do it. So we did it. We did a Bible study for two or three years for all of the Chinese that wanted to, and they would come. And eventually they said, listen, all of the things that you are teaching, all we want to experience them in church life, can you start a church? And, I said, oh. and we did it by faith. We started a church. We, we rented a little shop front, and we converted it to a chapel, and we began to preach and teach and the church grew, and there's a wonderful Chinese church in Budapest today. And I remember when we were, when we were there, we got paid so little in the school, and we had the kids, and, and, and we were so often uh, right down to the wire, Like where is where are we going to get the next bag of shopping from? I remember we would pull up in the petrol station and okay, everyone out, we would be looking down the seats for coins and just trying, we would scrape it together and put, you know, two pounds worth of petrol in the car just to get home. You know, it were really tight times. And I remember some nights after the Chinese church, I would, I would go, okay, I would get my bag, I would go into my car, and I would know there'll be an envelope in my bag. I was like, what's that? I would open the envelope and there would be whatever, 50 pounds or something. I was, oh my gosh, nothing said, just quietly. And that would happen again and again. And unbeknown to them, we were right at the end and praying, oh Lord, we're trusting you, we're seeking him first. We're trusting him, we're ministering, we're living by faith. And again and again, that way and many other stories like that, where God can faithfully show his hand. That doesn't mean you have to do ministry in the church or have to start a church or a Bible study. But whatever you do, you do it unto the Lord. Whatever you do, you do it by faith. Even if it seems menial or secular or, or just every day, when you give that to the Lord, that becomes sacred and that's precious and that's valuable. When I'm raising my kids or I'm doing the washing up or I'm going to work, whatever it is, I sanctify that unto the Lord. I say, oh Lord, I'm, I'm giving this to you. I'm seeking you first in my family and in my work. And God says, listen, seek first the kingdom and my righteousness, and I will add these things to you. And he is so faithful to do that. There's an amazing story in 1 Kings 17. I'll just read you part of the passage, and you pick out the the principle. The prophet Elijah uh, goes to this, uh, this widow and he says, bring, please, I request, a piece of bread to me. And she says, as surely as the Lord God lives, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. That's, that's the situation. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, we could say don't fear, don't be anxious, go home and do as you have said, but first, there it is, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son." For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And she went away and she did what Elijah told her. She made first. She put him first. She trusted God first in in her heart. In that moment of desperation, there was nothing left but faith in what was said to her, and the answer is, so there was food every day for Elijah and the woman and her family, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord. God is faithful. He can add these things. He can keep the, the jar filled. Let's go back to uh, Matthew 6. Matthew 6 doesn't like me can you go to the next slide Matthew 6 verse 34 therefore do not worry about tomorrow oh there's a big one because that's where all our troubles lie tomorrow but do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And all so much anxiety about tomorrow, so many people worried about tomorrow that they don't live in today. How sad it is that we'll be so robbed of life itself, joy itself, relationships and the, the things that are so enriching for our life. We'll be so worried about tomorrow that we miss what we could enjoy today. Certainly we have, to, we have a calendar, we can plan, we can work, we are good stewards. We think about tomorrow that way. But we don't live in fear and worry. We can be robbed of so much. There's an amazing principle in the Old Testament in Leviticus 25. Every seven years they would rest the fields. It was like a Sabbath in the agricultural system. And it says in Leviticus, next slide, yeah. He says, um, so you will observe my statutes and keep my judgment. That's the first part, right? And perform them, and you will dwell in the land safely. So there's a conditional promise there, like Matthew 6.33. If you seek first the kingdom, then these things will be added to you. If you observe and keep and perform, you will dwell in the land in safety. And then the land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill. Wonderful words. And dwell there in safety. There is the promise connected. The next verse. And if you say, What shall we eat in the seventh year, since we shall not sow or gather in our produce? Here's the father, and he's got his four children and his wife, and he's. I'm not going to sow that year. Oh, God, what, what is going to happen? I know sometimes, you know, that question, you know, your wife, your children, the children ask their mom, mom, what's going to happen? She says, it's okay, it's all okay. Then the wife goes to the husband, what's going to happen? He's like, it's okay, it's okay. And the husband goes, God, what's going to happen? God is like, it's okay. I'll show my faithfulness. And here the father say, or the family saying, what shall we eat in the seventh year? And look at this. Then I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year, and it will bring forth produce enough for three years. What a wonderful, wonderful promise that is. So take no thought. Be anxious for nothing. And when I live in anxiety, I just need to adjust my focus. I need to be challenged and encouraged in faith. That's why we draw near on a Sunday morning. That's why we love to hear the word because how beautifully and intimately and personally God addresses the heart. And we go and say, oh, Lord, thank you. Oh, I needed that. I needed you to speak to me and and just set my heart aright for this day, for this week, for this year that I would seek you afresh. Now, In Haggai chapter 1, and we'll close out with this, there's an amazing passage which, which reveals this principle, opens this principle even more for us. The context, as you may remember, the remnant returned from captivity, they started to rebuild the temple, they laid the foundation, and then they stopped. And it began to get overgrown, and the temple was neglected, and the people began to, get wrapped up in their own lives and they're building out their own houses, living their own lives, their own businesses, and the temple lay waste, or in other words, was not being rebuilt. So God sends a prophet to speak to the people. The years pass and there the foundation is laid. That's the very reason the remnant were flipped in the captivity to return, to rebuild, and it had stopped. They completely had lost their identity, their focus, their purpose, Their priorities, we could say, they were not seeking God or his kingdom first. They had begun to seek their own needs first. So let's look at what the prophet says. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. And this exposes their priorities. The people were saying, it's not time. It's not now. We've got other things to take care of. I'll get to God's house later. But my house needs to be built. This is the opposite of what David said. Remember when he said, I want to build God a house? Remember that? I want to, and that, that was the opposite. But here they're saying, no, no, I need to build myself a house. And the prophet exposes this mispriority. And the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? And of course, it's not wrong in itself that they would dwell in paneled houses. That's not the point. It's not wrong to have a beautiful house and material things. That's not the point. It's about priorities. We've already said, if I seek God, maybe he adds that. He gives me a beautiful paneled house. That's not the point. It's priorities in the heart. He says, verse 5, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. I love that phrase. It's repeated in the passage. Hit the pause button. Consider your ways. Consider what you are doing. Consider your priorities. Ask the question, why, why is this happening this way? And again, that's why the Word of God, how often it causes us to consider our ways, how it searches the heart. But look, he explains what he means. Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves. And notice, it's the same three things. You eat, you drink, you clothe yourself, but... You've sown, you bring in little. You eat, not enough. You drink, you're not filled. You clothe yourself, and no one is warm. Consider your ways. Take a... Take a seat, hit the pause button, sit a while and think about why is this happening? You are sowing and not reaping. You are working at the sweat of your brow. You are trying to build your paneled house and something's missing. There is not a blessing upon your life. Consider your ways. Why is this happening? He says, verse seven, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. There it is again. And he says, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. The temple, speaking about the focal point. in, in uh, in in, In Israel, in Jerusalem, in this city, in the temple, this was the central point, the center of their worship as a people. And that speaks to us also as God being at the center center place. That God will take pleasure in it and be glorified. And then he says, he repeats the principle in verse 9. You look for much, but instead came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Here it is, they bring it. Oh, here it is. And God's like, it's gone. The Frustration, I'm working so hard. Because... Why, says the Lord of hosts, because my house that is in ruins while everyone else runs to his own house, verse 10. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains and on the grain and the new wine and the oil on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, on all the labor of your hands. Now think of it, man's hands can be laboring and there can be the blessing or there can be grace that is withheld. There can be the blessing that is, or in the, this phrase, I call for a drought on the land and God can call for a drought in someone's life. What grace that is that we begin to realize, wait a minute, I've, 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 missed, I've mixed up my priorities. I got so wrapped in my business and working and earning money, I'm losing my focus. I got so wrapped up in my whatever it is. You fill in the blank. You know, my family, my pastimes, my life, my needs. I got so wrapped up in I lost my focus. And when I move my focus, a blessing begins to be poured out on those very things. God can send a drought. What grace that is. So here we see in this passage, I don't know if you catch it, this is the flip side of Matthew 6.33, right? Seek me first and I will add these things. And in this passage, because they were not seeking him first, there was not the blessing upon their, their, those needs. They would eat and they were not satisfied. They would drink and they were not filled. They were clothed and they were not warm. And that speaks to our hearts. Because as we stand on the threshold of this year, we say, Oh Lord, I want something new. I want to seek you first. I, I want you to keep my heart in check. I want, I, I welcome the conviction. I ask for the guidance. I, I don't want to settle. I want I want to have what you have for me. I want to sense that whatever I put my hands to is blessed because you are honoring my walk of faith, putting God first, in the beginning God Amen? Let's pray Oh Father we just uh, lay that to our heart this morning we thank you for that that thought how it addresses our hearts each one of us in different ways how we sense the need, oh again and again To have our minds focused, to be drawn back, to seek you first, to put you first, your kingdom, your righteousness, the things that concern you, or help us and lead us and guide us in what that means practically in terms of our life, our priorities, our ministry, our family please help us and guide us and honor us we pray we would sense your blessing upon our lives on all the different areas we would sense the free flow that the the easy the the, the how easy things are because of your blessing we ask for that we ask for that for each one each family Perhaps there's one listening this morning online or even here perhaps. You're not sure of your salvation. Oh, Jesus is the Savior. Put your faith in him. Say, Jesus, I trust you today. I believe you. You loved me and died for me and paid for my sins. That I might have the free gift of eternal life. Save me today. That I could be born again. Give me a new life. Turn my life. I ask and pray. And bless us all now with these thoughts and and be lifted up as we worship you now together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.